everyone to the Sister Stories podcast. The aim of this podcast is to marvel at God's sovereignty over each of our lives as women and to encourage one another by sharing our stories. My name is Sophie and today I'm joined by Eunice. Hello, Hello. Sophie. Hi, Hi. Eunice. Welcome. Um, Can you start by telling us who you are? Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Eunice. I've been in Cornerstone for over seven years now and um, I am married to Ben and we have a four and a half year old son. Nice. And what do you do? Um, so I'm a full-time mom and uh, quoting Dan Collins, he said, you know, um, I work, but I don't get paid. <laughs> and uh, right now I'm also doing a counseling course on the side. Oh, wow. Okay, great. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your family background, where you were brought up, how you were brought up? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm Malaysian, so I grew up in Malaysia. Uh, my parents... Uh, were the first uh, generation to migrate to Malaysia. And so they didn't have a lot. They did not know about God and they just tried their best to, um, make a, you know, survive, make a living. Mm. And so I guess I was quite privileged to be able to, um, have been born in Malaysia. And my mom, um, went to church only after getting married. She thought that it would be nice to, um, bring, um, the family to know about God. Mm. And so I grew up going to church in Sunday school then as well. So I'm really, yeah, quite blessed in that sense. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? I have an older brother. He's three and a half years um, older than I am. And uh, he, we, he's in the US right now. So I haven't seen him for a while, but we last met when he got married in Malaysia and he's in the US now. Nice. Okay. So you said you were brought up going to Sunday school. How how did that impact your life? Did you understand? Did you get to hear the gospel? Um, how much did you understand of it? Um, I think that when I was younger, we um, comprehend things in our very uh, little childish minds. So I took it at face value, of course, that God loves you and that um, Christ died for you. And I think that was very com- comforting um, to know that Someone is there. So I think God's presence was always um, a, a quite real in my life, even though, you know, I had to reconcile that experience of knowing, that knowledge of knowing God with what I was facing in my life. Because um, like going to school, feeling um, maybe left out or bullied mm-hmm. and feeling maybe a bit stupid sometimes when I went to a Chinese school and I didn't speak any Chinese before that. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the ridicule or the shame that I felt, I think... I began to question whether God's love was real in, in what I was experiencing as a really little child at like five or six years old. Mm, and okay. that was, um, yeah, the journey of how I had to grow up, I think, when God had to change our character. Because I remember hearing a quote that says that God um, is more interested in your character than your happiness. Mm, okay. So you were hearing all these things in, in church and it didn't really match what your experience of life was at the time. Is that, is that fair? Yes. Yeah. And um, I think that one of the major things that happened was um, when I think I was five years old, uh, my brother and I uh, got into a brawl and I think I might have threw something somewhere near my dad and he lashed out at me um, mm. only because maybe he was a bit frustrated that we were so noisy and but I think I didn't understand that at that time I got a bit shocked and a bit mm. um, traumatized I suppose and so then I questioned all right mm, I don't know whether my dad really loves me and does okay. father God in heaven do you really love me like what uh, is there mm. about us that you would love me so mm. um, I think I went into a period of just questioning um, purpose 
and also questioning about self-worth. And so God had to tell me that you might see things in worldly perspective, but the Lord's ways are spiritual and also unseen. So I, throughout my life growing up, I think that I only saw the, the physical realm. So I tried to make myself more valuable in the eyes of my parents, perhaps, my dad especially, mm-hmm. and also maybe God then. Yes. So I remember trying to uh, say, all right, if I get, a, um, if I achieve um, maybe a, academic achievements or if I were to be very um, good at sport or if I were to be very beautiful and popular, would that make me more worth it or more worthy of his love? Mm-hmm. And that was, of course, a broken system. Like you can't, you cannot put your worth upon what people would say of you. And that was very flawed. But it seemed like as a child, that would be something that I would strive towards to, you know, like try to be very smart and try to get all A grades of like A and above or maybe A star. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that drove me into a very um, bad period of um, crushing my identity. And of course, we have to put our identity in Christ. But I think at that time, I did not know enough of the Bible to delve into it as a young child. Yes, of course. How did that relationship with God develop throughout your teenage years and beyond then? All right. So um, I I think that I always try to pray and um, say like, God, I, I know that you died for us. You love us. But it was always conditional somehow mm-hmm. that maybe there's something that I needed to do. And yeah. so I, ha- I, so during the time when I was growing up, like most girls, I think that, you know, there, there were um, cliques and there were um, people that may not be so kind and maybe I was a bully myself. So I had three things that, um, that I had to get over and I think the Lord had to break in me, which was I, I had a bit of a depression because mm-hmm. I thought that, oh, maybe I'm, I, this worth, this life is not worth it. And, um, what's there in life and I questioned my purpose and I had an eating disorder and I became a quite a religious zealot as you can say like just thinking oh if I were to pray for three hours and not do anything secular like not watch any movies and not play any games on my phone or whatever then I would have more religious a higher standing with God in terms mm-hmm. of being more holy wow. and so that was quite twisted and um, I think God had to tell me that it's okay like you just have to really seek me first and then he will guide your ways. And yes. then I had peace and said, actually, you know, Lord, I, I know that there are some things that if you warn me and you prompt me and said, hey, I don't think that's a very good activity. It, it may be permissible, but not beneficial. Then I thought, oh, right, actually, maybe, yeah, I would choose not to, you know, watch that certain movie if I think it's not mm-hmm. really necessary, for example. Wow. So how... How long did you live like that, would you say, roughly? Was that throughout your teenage years or, or yeah? Um, yes, definitely teenagers. I think um, the teenagers, it was mainly the, the depression still lasted quite long. So mm. I've always, the thing about depression is that it was definitely a mild case, not a serious case. But um, mm. I think that by accepting the lies that I wasn't good enough and that um, I, I'm just maybe not worthy of love as well, Mm-hmm. I think that I uh, had the um that the enemy's lies in my life that was so strong and a grip and a foothold that I couldn't release it. And so, whenever I face a challenge, I would just say, "Oh, you know, it's just so much better if um if I was, you know, not alive, or uh oh, if mm-hmm. this was just, you know, if this could all end right now." Which I think is um quite a 
a grumbling attitude and a spirit and also quite a like maybe you would say a bit more cowardice like you know you just want to escape yeah. so um i think god kept um bringing me through different experiences that there's also the good things in life there's also uh, victories that you have despite the negatives but of course when when i was depressed i would only see things in my perspective which is oh things are not so good and i'm just not good enough oh i made that mistake when there are other areas that i could have done okay in it so yeah, it's I, hard from the human perspective to break free of that isn't it because you're as you said you just see how people see you maybe or um your successes or, or failures or you know things like that that are quite well tangible sometimes we just see that yes. straight away and it's hard to see beyond that reality almost yeah you're right i mean i think that's why so many people struggle if it was so mm. easy to get out of i think that I would just tell myself, oh, snap out of it. But um, when yeah, and the world keeps on telling you that as well, doesn't it? Because we, we can see people like celebrities and all kinds of people around that are just appearing very successful, very fit, very beautiful, beautiful intelligent, or whatever it might be. But actually, sometimes we don't see below, below the surface almost and, and other things that are in their lives that are not as successful. So... It doesn't help because it gives us a twisted version of actually what reality is like for everyone. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, I think you're right that God sees everything, but we, we don't really. So how I wonder how you how God brought you back to him in a sense and how um, I mean, obviously, you're not you're not dealing with depression and eating disorder anymore, yes. thankfully. Yes. And how he brought you out of that period of struggle, really. Um, so. For for me, actually, my eating disorder wasn't very serious as well. It was mm. just a mild one. I just um just would refuse to eat and thinking that oh you know maybe just being not I wasn't feeling good about myself, so mm. I would just go into that. Um, so uh, actually, I went the other way around to get out of it. I went to binge eating, and so mm. I felt awful about myself as well. But it wasn't overnight. I think um, the love of my family helped. I think having I think God's love can really heal, and that's the only answer. Yes. In, in this world, I think, like you said, sometimes we can see the surface, but when we go so deep in, we just can't get out of it. And only God can pull us out mm-hmm. of also ourselves. He can save, save us from maybe ourselves as well. Yes. So I had my family's love around, and I think that was consistent. And then for depression, um, I think I've always had it on, on, the, on the back of my mind, like just thinking, oh, I don't know how good it would be if I wasn't here or something like that. But then... Um, I think when I was in my mid-twenties, I just one day, like a normal day, I just said, oh, you know, I was going to start my grumbling episode again and say all the bad things that I was not happy about. And then I just said, oh, so sorry, God, you know, for always being so depressed. But, and then I was going to say, you know, but all these things. And then I just, at that moment, I stopped because I felt um, something just um, changed. And I, a mm. tear broke from my eye and I was thinking, oh, um, I've never felt this before, and I think that when I confessed that I was um, depressed, and mm-hmm. I said I'm sorry to God, I think that that was all I needed to do for Him to say, "Yeah, I will do the rest. I will, I will heal you in the he spirit. He will carry you, yes, yes, exactly. and He'll close the door." Yeah. So I said, "Oh, all right." And the tear broke. I'm like, "Hmm, I've never felt this before. Hmm, this is interesting. Okay." <laughs> uh, and I thought nothing more about it, but I think from then, from that day onwards, um, whenever I had the temptation to go back, yes, the the thing is we can open the door for the enemy to come in again. Yes. So we can say, yeah, I believe these lies that, yeah, you know, maybe life is just not, not worth living. You know. But then 
um, I had to also remember that God set me free and also claim the promises, you know, because in um, I like this verse that says, um, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will in Romans 12, verse 2. Mm. So it's also in the mind. It's also a battle of the mind. And that time, I remember a friend also, so Christian friends, you know, being with um, people who would also not be like, not toxic relationships, but um, people who would can help you. Mm. My friend said, Eunice, you know, you've got to like nip in the bud. You know, don't let that seed grow whenever. Because sometimes I would just mention like, oh, they know that I was depressed before, but she's a Christian friend. And when I said, oh, you know, sometimes I feel like, oh, this, like I wonder what's life about. I mean, people who go through depression, I'm sure that they know what I'm talking about. Mm. And then um, she said, you know, you just got to say no. Um, don't do it. Don't go there. Don't let your mind wander there. Just like flee, like run from the enemy, run from yes. that temptation. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, yes, I want to do that. And so every time there's a temptation to go back to saying that, oh, I feel, I feel really, really sad and, and oh, I just want to like maybe self-pity or something like that, I'll try to remember um, God's love and just get myself out there and focus on God because, um, yeah, you know, like when we look to him, we have salvation, um, yeah, through mm-hmm. Christ. Yes, that's really helpful, isn't it? And I think you write that we need to stop. We need to flee from that temptation. We can't just run to it mm-hmm. and just let it consume us, really, um, right. especially when we're aware of it. And, you know, we have, we have the Spirit helping us to do that, don't mm-hmm. we? So that's really precious. Um, so you've, you've moved, uh, moved away from Malaysia, and I think you moved to the U.S., didn't you? So yeah. when, did that, when did you move, actually? So I worked in the U.S. and China for seven and a half years, and then I decided to take a sabbatical to go mm-hmm. to the U.S. because um, um, my brother was working there, and it would be weird to, it would be strange if I, in the, my mid-30s I said, oh, you know, i just like to take a sabbatical. People might think it's like a midlife crisis. <laughs> so I told my company, I said, oh, I'd just like to go away um, to do a course that was in line with what I was doing in my company before we were setting up businesses in food and beverage. So I thought, if I go to the U.S., and I take a qualification in culinary arts that would enable me to also be able to manage businesses better in terms of like food and beverage, which is mm. also part of my interest because it's hospitality, it's people, and people say, when we talk about food, it's always like a happy topic. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have never cooked in my life before because um, I, I would just cook very healthy food. I would just boil everything. So no skill, no fire, no, you know, <laughs> not necessary like having to um, do anything complicated. So, uh, sorry, I said fire as in sometimes I would just like just eat a sandwich. I wouldn't even like turn on the gas hub or whatever to make anything complicated. <laughs> so um, I went to the U.S. and did a sabbatical course, uh, did a sabbatical, uh, took a sabbatical to also just relax and did a culinary arts course. And I started going to church there as well. Um, mm. And I met Ben. Oh, right. Mm. Okay. So and then you arrived in the UK a bit later on. You, yes. You moved so seven years ago, roughly, um, you said? Yes, that's right. Seven yeah. years ago. So um, I remember because I, I met you in Newcomers. Oh, okay. And we were the same cohort of newcomers. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was such a long time ago. I just yes. remember, yeah, I just remember, Sophie, that uh, it was so pleasant to meet someone from, you know, from France. And it, I thought, oh, um, in Cornerstone, people are very friendly. And that was what I got from you as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so you moved, you moved to the UK and therefore to Cornerstone around that time, yes? Yeah, that's right. And I think that um, it was quite, quite, um, quite a blessing to be able to uh, go to Cornerstone because mm. Ben was looking for a church and he just accepted Christ in the US. Yes. And remember, so yeah. we thought that we would like to um, grow in the Word, especially um, mm. um, having a solid foundation, of course. 
and um, Ben asked around and God led us here. So we know that it was definitely God's engineering, like God's yeah plan. Yes. And how how did your faiths grow grow? Sorry, mm. in in Cornerstone, how did that impact you? Um, I I would like to um, say that Cornerstone is such a uh, it's it's very unique because I think of how authentic it is. Mm. Um, I've I've grown up in Asia and I went to Australia to study, and um, I think that in in Cornerstone the the word has yeah it's the the, the you know the backbone of mm. what everything is run on and how Pete and all the um, leaders are teaching us. So I think that that's very, um, very good for the soul because we know your spirit, you, we have a spirit man and we need to yeah, feed on his word as well. And so mm-hmm. I've been in churches before where I would listen to sermon and just not really feel that I've, I've, I've taken away something. But, you know, I think that it comes true because a leader needs to, um, this is what I hear before, I heard before, that they need to digest it mm-hmm. and when they chew on it, and then they feed it to us. It's it's like bite size, and then we, we can grasp it. Otherwise, I could be a preacher if I just memorized Pete's sermon and just you know um, regurgitate it out. Yes. But it wouldn't have the same impact because it's not a maybe spirit filled, or maybe I didn't. It wasn't authentic to my so, my spirit person. And so if I just say a very good sermon that sounds really good, tickles to the ears, but maybe I haven't really gone through it, and like so I can't really have that authority to share that word. So that's why I. I have experienced here in Cornerstone. It was, mm. you know, the authoritative um, and f- yeah, very freeing, very li- liberating a word of the Lord that's yes. very true and very real. Mm. And so, yeah, if we, if we go to something more recent, maybe, um, what would you say you have learned in the last year or so of your life? Um, I, I have, I've been particularly impacted by all the, um, of course, all the outreach programs because. Mm. This church also has activities that um, that just reaches out to um, just just the community, and you know, especially being a, a mom, mm-hmm. I I know that even like Dadly or um, like the dad men behind Dadly, the activities they do for for dads to play with their children, and also the Monday Tots, which is for moms with their little ones, it's just an environment that's very welcoming, mm-hmm. very um, um, I suppose very giving, mm-hmm. and maybe yes, not all the moms might come to know Christ but I think that that touch of love you know that love impacts greater and deeper than we can um, imagine and we can yes. say so sometimes it's not just the words and whether the, the numbers are there but you know when when people go through their own circumstances and God draws them to him they might remember something that they have just experienced with someone even though it may not be like oh Jesus loves you and come to church <laughs> but they might still remember like oh you know um, I know this place it had that love that I don't get anywhere else mm. and so that's what um, I feel that I've I've grown also in the activities and um, also teaching Bible talks seeing that there are a lot of kids more kids now yeah. and um, the other things also like media fast media fast is ex- excellent because we do it as a church and that shows that we need each other we need the church to go alongside mm. each other otherwise you just fall away yeah so, yeah that's been very helpful and the church community just I guess it strengthens us as individuals, doesn't it? Because we need to come together to be taught, like you said, with uh, the people in authority in the church teaching us. But in the same way, we kind of teach each other and we refine each other uh, as we interact. So that's really precious to come together and have all these activities together. Um, Yeah, and I can see really how it feels like the church has had quite a long-lasting influence in your life and just bringing you that 
that love from God almost that mm. you needed and seeing maybe people who accepted you in a way that wasn't the case before. Yes, I wonder course, how definitely. comforting that was for you as well, seeing how like the things that you haven't experienced previously. Um, yeah. Most... Sorry, I'm going back a little no, bit. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I think most definitely. Um, it will be. I think we all will go through uh, struggles in our lives, even though we've come out something. But it doesn't mean that in the future we won't face other challenges, right? Mm. And other uh, doubts might creep into our minds. So, um, my cornerstone. I think that because the church is, has grown as well, and so you meet so many people, and you find people who are also younger in terms of uh, their spiritual journeys, and people who have matured as well. So, yeah, I've. I've, I think that I've come to learn about myself because when Ben and I moved here, I mean, we, we don't have family around us. So yeah. the church really became our family. And so that acceptance from, you know, just uh, anybody, just everybody um, yeah. and different home groups as well and different friends. Some people come and go. But uh, I think that the consistency of having just, um, you know, people come to church every Sunday and meeting for home group, going to prayer meet, just living life. That is the true testament. I mean, there's nothing so glamorous about it sometimes, right? Of course, it's just going through life and we eat together. And of course, maybe there might be disagreements between some people, but, you know, we all still, um, because of the love of Christ, yeah, yeah, for the love of Christ, we are here together. So I um, haven't yeah, had any other episodes. I, I thank God for that because I think that now I've come to a new season of, you know, being married and also having a child. So the challenges change in our mm. lives now and the focus yeah. is different as well. So um, I I can only say that truly the Lord, the Lord is, uh, yeah, our shepherd, our yes. good shepherd, yeah. That's right. Um, and to finish with, what advice would you give to younger Christians? I think um, for me, when I was starting on my journey, I I questioned a lot like, oh, God, what do you expect me to do? What am I supposed to do? Like, I want to watch a movie, but don't you think I should be praying instead? Or, <laughs> And I think that that's being a bit too religious, but it's normal to question what's the right thing to do when we know that God's love is unconditional. We can only come to the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ and there's no nothing else. There's nothing that we can do to earn His love. So I like, um, I, I, I used to tell this verse to myself, it's um, Matthew 6, verse 3. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, will be given to you as well. Mm. So um, I, I asked a few people like, oh, how much should I pray or how do I know I'm not doing the right thing? But actually when you seek Him first and then you just have um, that connection, I think that the Lord will guide you in, in your steps. You don't have to say, yes. is this the right step? What should I do next? I think sometimes I might fall into it. But then when you go about your day and you go about your life and that he's pleased with what you do, he won't tell you the answers like, oh, go straight, walk left, seat now. And yeah, <laughs> yes. so that that's comforting. Just seek him first. And in the questions that you have, I think God will guide you. Go and speak to Christian, mature Christians as well. And I like this verse, James 4, verse 8. When I was feeling unworthy and thinking not worthy of love, no one will love me, I'm, I have nothing to offer the world, I have nothing to give at all. And I feel that, oh, God, even God wouldn't love me. Like, he wouldn't want to hear what I have to say. But then, like, James 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That The fact that you, you know, sometimes you feel that you're just so far away from God, that you're so far from salvation, you don't feel him, you feel you've fallen again and again, mm. and like a failure, you just feel like a failure. So just draw near to him. And he will draw near to you. He will come. And I said, and so it's powerful to claim these verses and say, God, you said in your word that you will draw near to me. And I hope that I, I have your, you know, like your, your mm. approval and, and you, I should seek you first and not the approval of people and the world and what the world says. 
Yeah, and that's that's the key thing, isn't it? We know we have assurance in Christ, mm. so we should really lean on that first, and then all these other things that maybe are secondary things in our lives, in a sense, things that happen or circumstances or just troubles are yeah. are secondary, as you say. As yeah. you say, like mm. the first thing is our salvation, and then all these other things, all these blessings flow flow around that almost. Yes, right. um, yeah, I think that's a really helpful reminder. Oh, thanks, Sophie. Yeah, first <laughs> things first. That's very helpful that you summarise it that way as well. <laughs> thank you so much, Eunice, for sharing your story with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Sophie. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Uh, that's all for this episode of Sister Stories, but join us again next time.